Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. When things started to sort of escalate with our son, Jake, who at the time was like 13, our um, faith community really caused harm. Mm. Mm-hmm. In what way? Um, it's a sin. It's a parenting problem. If you just mm. did this or you just did that. Pam Lanhart is Pastor Paul's guest today as she relives what it was like raising a son who struggled with addiction, addiction that ultimately cost him his life. We welcome you to Pam's story, and we welcome you to Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was a golden boy. All we can do right now is come together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. Hey, so glad you've joined us on Life Support. What we do on this show is we talk about hard subjects. We talk about trauma. We talk about suffering and how Jesus meets us in our darkest places. And that really is exciting, even in the midst of tremendous pain. And I've got a guest here that can relate to that, but she's also got a lot of good things to say about who God is and his mercy. And her name is Pam Lanhart, and she is involved with Thrive Ministries. Looking forward to finding more about that. And it's good to see you. It's good to be here, Paul. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, it's great to see you. And, uh, you know, we're in this we're in this club together that we don't want to be in. Nobody wants a membership to this club. Tell me a little bit about your story and what's happened in the last few months and kind of what led up to that. And and then we can explore who God is in all of that. Right. So, uh, first of all, I am married. I'm a, uh, we've been married for 41 years. I'm the mother of four children and the grandmother of 10. Wow. And my husband... And you're still, you're still breathing. And, and it's amazing. <laughs> Actually, it's my daughter who has the 10 children. And I wow. often am... Just, I just marvel at her ability to be such a present mother. And I often laugh and say, you know, she must have got that from the neighbor and not <laughs> from me. Right. Um, because she's such a good mama and that's her calling. So, you know, we... I grew up with parents that struggle with alcohol use and had siblings that struggled with alcohol use. And so I knew from a very young age, and we intervened on my mom when I was 17, and she went to treatment, and she's an amazing woman. I know that my parents were just doing the best they could at the time. One of the things that they were always so faithful about was getting us to church on Sunday. So from a very young age, I just had this real strong spiritual you know, part of me, grew up in a denominational church. and. Fast forward, I meet my husband when I'm 15, right? So we've been married forever, and all I know really is is being married to him, and he is such a stable, steady presence in my life. I know God totally intended for us to meet because I just needed that. I needed him. Um, And so I'm so grateful for him, and he is to this day just my rock. And, and, uh, you know, our home was very chaotic and not really safe. Didn't know that then, but now that I do the work that I do, I know that, Mm -hmm. that our home wasn't a very safe place at the time. Um, So I gravitated towards, you know, doing a lot of activities, being really busy, spending time with Paul. And we got married at 19 and had our oldest daughter, Diana, when I was about, I don't know, 22. 
And then we weren't going to have any more kids. And we weren't really following the Lord at that time. So we were like, we're done. We don't want to overpopulate the earth. Yeah, sure. I was making a lot of money. Well, she was about in first grade, and, and we were thinking she should really go to Sunday school. So we walked into a church, and now my husband works for that church, and we've been there for 30, almost 31 years. Wow. So it really saved us. It saved our marriage. You know, we have, there's a whole lot of backstory to all that. Mm -hmm. um, just how God just got a hold of our lives, and, and we were so grateful for that stability and just, you know, what, the, what God gave us during that time. And, and going back to my home life, we, first of all, the, the next three kids that we had, our three younger ones, um, were so wanted, right? They, they came out of that relationship with the Lord. Mm -hmm. In 1994, we rededicated our marriage to God, and we just committed that we were going to follow him, that we were going to, you know, raise and train up our children to follow him, and we just had the perfect plan, <laughs> you know. Yeah, we always like, do. Yeah, 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 you know, we just knew mm -hmm. exactly what the trajectory of our family And by was. the way, when you say you don't want any more kids, that's the death knell. That means you're going to have a lot more kids. Well, yeah, you never yeah. say never to God. Never say never, never to God. Never say never to God. We've figured that one out. Yeah. So um, we did. We had three children after Diana, and our oldest now is uh, 20, so we have 26, 25, and and 21, um, and uh, Andy, Jake, and Nikki. And so this journey has a lot to do with our third born, who is Jake, who kind mm -hmm. of is a middle child, right? Mm -hmm. um, so we, again, you know, we knew that addiction was, could have been part of our story, was part of my history. Um, and we purposed to be intentional about that right so we talked about it with our kids and then we did all of those things that we thought would prevent it you know we took them uh camping we had family dinners together we made sure that we were involved in all of their activities and we took them to church on sundays and we checked every single did all the right box. stuff that's right. yeah yeah yep. i mean you know could we were not perfect parents and i often say I don't want to glamorize that because I brought a ton of trauma into my family, which is kind of a part of our story because when things started to sort of escalate with our son, Jake, who at the time was like 13, our um, faith community really caused harm. Mm. Mm -hmm. In what way? Um. It's a sin. It's a parenting problem. If you just mm. did this or you just did that, you know, um, you need to, you have to like, but without really, I think, giving us. So when I look back, I think if my uh, spiritual family would have understood trauma, which is why I love what you guys are doing, they might have been able to recognize during that time, how dysregulated I was and how I was sort of escalating out of my own trauma. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that our church leadership was 
informed mm-hmm. to, on how to recognize that. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they did the best they can they could, and I I love to operate under the assumption that people are just doing the best that they can. I really do, and it wasn't helpful. Yeah. <laughs> and so we were really feeling very lost and very unsupported, and of course. You know, we're in a small group and people are talking about their kids failing, you know, AP calculus or not making this soccer team. And we're dealing with a 13, 14, 15-year-old who is really struggling with substance use. And uh, I think the whole community doesn't really know how to respond well to kids that are struggling with that in, in general. And they don't even know what they're saying in front of you. It doesn't register. Yeah, I mean... The pain you're experiencing bounces off of them. More from Pastor Paul and Pam in just a moment. This is Steve Johnson, Executive Director of Five Stone Media, a co-sponsor of this program. And we're excited to introduce a brand new video series called Caring for Mental Health. This 10-part series is available at no cost and is designed to help you and others learn how to come alongside those who are struggling with mental health. If you'd like to learn more, go to lifesupportresources.org. And now back to Pastor Paul. Paul, you mentioned suffering. Mm -hmm. I thought I knew what suffering was. And I am as guilty as anyone yeah. for minimizing suffering and not knowing how to respond to it, which again is just why what you do is so important because, and you know, even looking at where I'm sitting now, um, I couldn't have imagined what this was like back then, right? So I I do believe that we really don't understand suffering until we're really in it. Yeah, I'm horrified by some of the things I've said before I went through this journey in my own life. I look back and go like, Paul, how did you, why did you say that? Mm -hmm. You had no idea what you were talking about. And I've learned, just be quiet. Mm -hmm. Because even though others have experienced similar things, it's still their own journey. Right. It's not exactly the same. It isn't. And now I, I'm so grateful because I can really validate another person's suffering yep. without interjecting my own experience into that. And I think that's really the things that I've learned over the last five or six or seven years. So um, we were largely left on our own to try to figure out how to really walk alongside of a beautiful young boy who was vibrant and so full of life and remarkable in so many ways. Um, And yet, you know, we just didn't know. We didn't know how to help him. He went to his first treatment program when he was 15 years old. And um, he came back. And, you know, in this program, we were like, told that he was an addict and we should call him an addict. And, you know, we were kind of taught really unhelpful, confrontational ways of being with him. 
and it and it I think escalated the problem and I take responsibility for for that you know and that we didn't know what we didn't know and um, we didn't handle things well we really didn't and again it kind of goes back to there's so many great tools now yeah. <laughs> and I'm like oh I love Pete Scazzaro's emotionally healthy relationships you know and and some of these tools that are that I've discovered since we went through this but I wasn't equipped and and some of that is like if you know anything about genograms or family history and you're like you bring in these communication and behavior patterns based on how your parents interacted with you mm-hmm. and so I, you know we we really I think we're in such an, an age of, I hate to use the word age of enlightenment, because that kind of sounds really like, you know. Um, uh, it's but, okay to say enlightenment in the, on a Christian radio station. Yeah, in, in the yeah. sense that, like, people are talking about these yeah, things now. that's right. Like, the work that you're It used you're to be doing. all hidden away, and nobody yeah. wanted to approach the subject, but at least it's on the table now. Right, yeah. and there are actually really amazing people out there. One of the first books I read was Danny Silk's book, um, Keep Your Love On, is what Mm -hmm. it was called. And I was like, wow, I can be loving towards my son, even when he's not behaving in a way that I would really, I appreciate. And um, so I started really seeking and learning and trying to figure out, like, how do I interact with this kid? How do we parent him? And what does this look like from the aspect of my faith and how I believe Jesus would have walked through this, right? And so there was just this years of sitting on my prayer, or sitting on my chair, praying, wrestling with God, and uh, digging into the Gospels, like, who is Jesus? Who really is Jesus? And really looking at how do I bring legalism into this, which isn't going to work in this instance at all, right? And how small of a box have I put God's love into? And when I read First Thessalonians and it says, you know, you have to, you can only love out of the overflow. You know, you just like that. The prayer there is, I pray that God will fill you so full of his love. And in the, the uh, message, it says that it would fill you up and it would splash all over yeah. <laughs> onto everybody that you meet. And I wanted to have it splash over onto my son. And I, I didn't really know how to do that, right? But um, we, we worked hard to try to figure it out at least a little bit. So I'm sitting on my chair every single day. Just I have this little, you know, chair. It's my chair in my house, little coffee mug next to it. And I'm reading my Bible day after day after day. And, you know, really we're building this storm shelter because more storms are going to come. And it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. I didn't know it. But I was building that foundation. And that foundation was straight out of God's word. And I just, I'm so grateful for that time that Mm -hmm. I really took to build my faith foundation. You were investing, investing. And directly from God's word. Yep. Right. And really that's that's where the book that we're going to mention came out of. I 
um, prayed every single day. And at the time, we were going through this book in our church, and, um, you know, it was a, a guy who was talking about the SOAP method of prayer, scripture, observation, application, and prayer. And we were like, Let, you know, we're going to just pray right out of God's word and I thought, I have a lot of preconceived ideas and I can manipulate anything, you know, to my advantage. I'm pretty good at that, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, right? we think we all can do and that. And so, like, I could pray my prayers, sure. you know, but I thought it would just be way better if I prayed what God's promises were in my journey. So I just prayed. I mean, I just prayed every single day and I prayed over my son and our family and, um, you know, so he's 15, 16, 17, and things are chaotic, things are crazy. And I tell this story often because this is really the pivotal moment in our walk with our son and how we were able to change our way of being with him. And I was sitting in front of a pastor one day, and he said, are you going to be right for the sake of justice or are you going to love for the sake of relationship? Because love never fails and justice was already paid for on the cross. You don't have to do that. And it was like this rhema. Wise words. (laughs) Because Mm -hmm. at that moment, what we realized is that we had spent so much of our time interacting with him, trying to fit him into this, you know, perfect little Christian box and manage the external behaviors of what was going on. And we had forgotten to really love, really love. And through that process, I asked myself these three questions. And one question was, if my son got sober, would he want to have a relationship with me? Like, was I loving well? That's what I call it, loving well. If my son got sober, would he even care to know anything about this Jesus that I profess to love? And how was I representing him? And then if he died, because we know that sometimes addiction ends in death, what would those lasts look like? You know, what if he did die? What would the last text I sent be? How would that last interaction look like? You know, would he have seen love or judgment, Mm -hmm. you know? And um, I just knew we could do better. (laughs) But I knew I couldn't do it in my own strength. I knew I couldn't do it unless it was out of the overflow of how much I understood the character of God and how much I really believed that God loved me in spite of my own failures. So you were sitting there each morning and you're praying and you're pouring your heart out to God and you're investing and you're asking these these questions about what if this and what if that. And and in fact, kind of the worst case scenario happened, right? How long ago was that? Well, that 
Well, that meeting, I believe, was in about 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Jake was 17, and, you know, he was asking. He had been in and out of our home because there was some really um, difficult behaviors that came along with his addiction. And he was asking to come back. We had been living with a friend for a few months, and and it was, you know, wrestling with, like, does he come back and doesn't he? And I know some of your audience listening to this might just wonder, like, how could a 17-year-old not be living at home and how that must have looked and how he even came to that decision? And, you know, it was a really, really hard time for us. And we had other minor children in our home. And he was old enough to figure out that he didn't have to engage in any kind of help or support if he didn't want to. And so, you know, we were, we felt so helpless, like just unimaginably helpless at the yeah. time. Yeah. You know, he's, he's really escalating in his substance use. Um, we can't force him into any kind of treatment program, which isn't necessarily the best way to do it anyway. And we're like, you know, I just think about this. To, you know, Lord, to whom should we go, right? It yeah. says in the Psalms. Like, what do you do? What else do you do but sit and cry and pray and hope and wish and yep. pray some more, you know? So now we're going to um, we're gonna have you back in, in, in our next show. We've only got about three minutes. It went fast. So um, it wasn't long ago that you experienced the loss of your son. What was that like, and what did you think about God after spending all of those mornings and or days on that chair? Well, we're going to keep going, and there's going to be a part two because mm-hmm. it's a long answer. So mm-hmm. I'll just tell about that death. Um, he had uh, gone out to a recovery program in Arizona, and went to Colorado for aftercare. And we, in those discussions of where he should go, we knew because of our family culture that the mountains were where he felt most at peace and closest to God. So uh, in early 2019, he left Arizona and headed to Colorado. And it was way healing for us, you know. It was such a good time. He was doing really well, and he loved Colorado, and we got to love Colorado with him. There are 58 peaks in Colorado that are more than four. 15,000 feet. And so his goal was to climb all 58. He had climbed about 20 of them. And our family would go out. Uh, my husband brings men and women out to the wilderness and backpack hikes. And we would go out with him and we would climb with him. And what we saw was a miraculous unfolding of a story. But it wasn't finished yet. Because even though he had been baptized as a 11-year-old, he made that choice. 
um, he had not fully embraced his faith at that point. So, you know, we were still hoping. Yeah, sure. <laughs> we we were still hoping. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and so he was, he had a job, an apartment, and a girlfriend. And um, he had a two-day relapse. Mm-hmm. And that two-day relapse led to his death. I'm very sorry. And it wasn't, it's still very fresh. It takes a lot of bravery for you to come and talk about it. Thank you. It's not easy. No. And I am looking forward to exploring with you how you view God, because I can tell some stories about the wrestling I did with God. Mm-hmm. And um, hopefully we can encourage some people that might be asking those same questions. Now, I want to I direct them to your Facebook page. So why don't you tell me about that? Yeah, so I'm really active on social media. Mm-hmm. Pam Jones-Lanhart is my name on social. Um, I have a Facebook page for my book, Praying Our Loved One Home. And then we also have a Facebook group called Thrive Family Addiction Support for families um, that have loved ones that might be struggling with substance use. So one of the ways that I've always worked through things is to write. And um, so there's always a lot of vulnerability yeah. in the things that well, I Well, you're write a good on. writer, and I really appreciate you dropping by. We'll pick this up, and uh, you've got quite a story to tell. So thanks so much for being here. Thank you. You know, you were talking about um, justice and love, and Second Corinthians 5.21 tells us that for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, which means we don't have to try to do this on our own, and we don't expect others to be able to do it either because Jesus has paid for this on the cross, so be encouraged by that. I want to thank our partners, and remember, you can see a video version of this podcast at fivestonemedia.com, and thanks so much for listening to Life Support. Thanks for listening to this Life Support podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Life Support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of Life Support.